I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel or, or coming up with a new business out of doing daycare. But what we do is make it hyper convenient and a really beautiful high-end environment. So it's just trying to do it as well as we can. So that means just thoughtful indoor-outdoor areas, different kind of bifurcation for the way that the dogs behave, amenities like saltwater filtered pools. And I mean, it's luxurious daycare for sure, but it's built in a facility where you walk in and you'd feel comfortable letting your dog board there because it's spacious. It's really clean. It's beautiful. It always smells fantastic. Our employees have the best tools in the industry to keep it clean. And then, yeah, I, exactly. The force multipliers, this social idea, because it's just really fun. And it's fun to meet other pet parents and to let your dog run around off leash. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today on the show, we have Ben Ebert. Ben is a former musician who, after graduating college, spent the first 10 years touring the country with his electronic rock band called Savoy. Ben played at some of the most well-known music festivals such as Lollapalooza and others, but he now finds himself as the co-founder and CEO of GoDog. GoDog is a modern dog daycare brand that, despite only having three locations, has already caught the attention of private equity. In fact, Greg recently closed a $20 million investment from Level 5 Capital. As part of the agreement, Level 5 will also be building about 25 locations as a multi-unit GoDog franchisee. Ben's journey to franchising is one of the more unique ones that I've ever covered, and you'll love his insights on founding this brand and making a private equity transaction so early on in the process. Enjoy. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by The Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Let's uh, start with maybe, I mean, there's a lot of daycare franchises out there, like dog daycare franchises, you know. How would you describe GoDog and what would you say are like the things that make you different versus some of the other players already out there in the market? Sure. Yeah, good question. We get that a lot. You know, first off, I think it's fair to say that we weren't really looking to become a franchise. And our guiding principle was always just doing things the right way. And that's basically from the staffing to the building design to the location. And and we can dive into more about what makes us special in those regards. But we've just been able to learn a lot about how to build a facility correctly such that it can be maintained in a way that always presents a clean, safe, welcoming environment. And uh, I always say this to employees, investors, clients, and it's true. It's just uh, if you walk into a GoDog, specifically in Nashville, this is kind of our newest one that we've been able to build. It really speaks volumes right when you walk through the lobby. You understand our vision and what separates us. And so, yeah, it's just a pleasant experience. And you can just tell that we've kind of 
thought about everything very critically and then not scared to invest in building what we think is the best. So yeah, our facility kind of sells itself. Beautiful. Yeah. And so I know it was founded in 2018. Well, what were you doing before you got into dog daycare and obviously now franchising? But um, yeah, what was kind of the run up professionally to this? Yeah, GoDog as a brand was founded in 2018. That is correct. Although kind of tangentially, I've been watching the space for a lot longer than that. My father invested in a uh, pet resort back in 2007, and it was always a very passive project for him. It was a good friend that he invested behind and ended up opening his own store as well. My father did. But he and I share entrepreneurial stories, and he's been a huge inspiration for me and during my career, which I'll get into But nonetheless, despite always kind of seeing the performance of these businesses, my question to him was like, man, gosh, why don't you have 50 of these things? It's such a good return. It's such a good investment. Seems to give you a lot of joy by being this kind of centerpiece of the community, taking care of people's family members. And um, he's like, look, I would love to have 50 of these. I just, he had his own businesses going on. And, you know, he's later in his career. He's like, I just, I don't really have the the time or the desire, but you're right. We should. And okay, so tangential to that, I graduated college in 2008 from the University of Colorado in Boulder, business school there, undergrad, and uh, but always was just super passionate about music and always had a, a band going on and took it very seriously. And then kind of towards our senior year, our band, Savoy, started to gain a lot of momentum. And we had a couple of songs that went, you know, really big for us in the electronic rock scene, which was still kind of a, a burgeoning scene there. And so, yeah, definitely not a a typical career path, but my band got really big. And as a 22 year old graduate, I was like, hey, let's do this. And um, and (laughs) Jess, my father, he said, look, I believe in you. You got you got to go for it. And um, we ended up getting signed to a a prominent uh, booking agency and uh, having some number one hits, some big electronic platforms and ended up growing the thing to a pretty large company, I guess, and um, went on tour for about 10 years. 170 shows a year. If we weren't playing with our live band, we were DJing clubs all over the place. Ended up uh, selling out Red Rocks a couple times as headliners and playing everywhere from, you know, the biggest festivals from Lollapalooza that you could imagine to Soldier Field. And uh, every year it was just like, look, we got to keep doing this. This is a wild ride. And it got to be an amazing experience. I mean, I always treated it very much like a business. It was something that I had um, immense pride over the brand. Actually, the logos and the branding and all of the artwork that we produced for Savoy is my buddy from high school, Gabe, and he was the one that designed the logo with me for GoDog. And um, yeah, you know, at times we had 50 employees when we were on tour and really just rocking it, but always loved the business side of things. I, As the older I got, I kind of noticed that I was working really hard selling art, which was subjective, which made me a little nervous. And that's when, you know, as I talked to Jess more and more about the vision for what GoDog could be, the notion of implementing this GoDog social, the membership-based dog park and bar concept, we just got more and more excited about it to the point where I had been living in New York City for about almost a decade. My wife and I are both from Durham. We both just wanted to move back for life reasons. And one day we literally just kind of made a decision at a coffee shop. Hey, let's just move back. Let's go. And so we did. And we moved back in March in 2018 and uh, immediately founded GoDog with Jess. And um, man, it's grown so fast since then. It's been so rewarding. I'm still so proud of my music career. I'm glad I got it in in my 20s and early 30s. But uh, 
GoDog's got me incredibly busy now. And like I said, the trajectory of the growth has just been fascinating, exciting, and completely rewarding. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, unique career path to this point. You're the first person who was could say that they've been at playing at Lollapalooza and also founding a franchise. I don't think that'll ever happen again in my career. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I got to ask, like, just, I mean, on that topic, just give us some insight right into, uh, like, when you're touring. I mean, is it like every week of the year you're on the road, just new venues? Or do you, like, how does it work? Is it, do you have some weeks off? I mean, yeah, can you give us some insight there? Yeah, you can shape it however you'd like. I mean, with your booking agent, you plan your life like two years in advance. Because when you're trying to get a headlining slot at Red Rocks, it takes two years to book that because every other band in the world also wants to play Red Rocks and everybody wants to play on the best nights. And so, and then you build your tour and your promotion and your release schedules all around these huge events. So it's long strategic planning. It's betting on yourself, knowing that, hey, in two years, I'm going to be even bigger such that I can charge this amount and still sell it out. So, yeah, I mean, and when you're hot, like in the industry and, and you're young, I mean, the more you can do, the better. And of course, the more shows you play, I mean, that's the big revenue source for all musicians these days. So in our particular case, we would go on live band tour. So that's there's three of us. Me, myself, Mike, and Gray, two brothers there. And we would do tour buses and crews, and we would go out for probably six to eight weeks. And we were lucky enough to, in our prime, our tours were bought and paid for up front by Live Nation as sellout offers because we were just really popular at the time. So we would play, yeah, yeah, Live Nation was a great partner of ours, and we would play the Fillmore's, Houses of Blues, all these Live Nation-owned um, beautiful theaters across the country. And so that was like five or six days a week. I mean, for six weeks. So, and you become nocturnal because you get there at <laughs> noon, you wake up, I'd go and work out, do a steam, try to just get my mind healthy and ready for the day, sound check, a couple hours off, go to dinner. We wouldn't go on until 10 or 11, play until one o'clock. Then the crew would take two or three hours to break down, bus leaves at four, go to sleep, wake up in the next city, start it all over again. And that is, it was crazy. And then, and then, but when we weren't doing live band touring, we were also DJs and we had residencies in Vegas and all these clubs across the United States. And this is right when EDM, I guess, as they call it now, is becoming a thing. And that was, you know, additionally wild because I would leave New York Thursday, fly to a city, DJ that night, wake up the next day, fly to a different city, DJ Friday night, next day, wake up, fly to another city, DJ Saturday night, Sunday, come home rest four days, do it again, like all year. And we did that for a couple of years too. And um, it was really fun, but uh, you know, as you can imagine, pretty exhausting. But I, I did get to see every state in the country, which was kind of cool. I've been everywhere multiple times. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, I mean, definitely right. I mean, the 20s had the time to do it because that just sounds <laughs> exhausting. Yes, yeah, no. but I've got two young, two young children now. It wouldn't fly anymore, but so I got it in when I could. Awesome. Well, good for you, man. I mean, that's super cool. And uh, yeah, I get that's just super exciting. I got to imagine it was just awesome to live. Well, I'm curious. So like you mentioned how you guys would plan out effectively two years in advance to book a venue. So were you involved in that process? Like, is that you guys as part of the band trying to strategically like land venues in advance? And the, really what I'm getting at too with this question is more of just, are there actually any 
crossover? Is there any crossover, right, in what you did with Savoy into now being a founder and CEO? Or is it kind of just like, is it just two totally separate career paths? No, it's a good question. And I don't want to like project for musicians and artists in general, but I would say a lot of my contemporaries didn't really want to be involved in the business side of things. They're artists. And that's a beautiful thing too. I always was very much into both. I had representation with, you know, William Morris, for instance, was our agent for a long time. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just letting the manager go and do it. Or, or if we had, I mean, we had meetings with the CEO of Atlantic Records, you know, when it's like, but I, I needed to be there and drive those meetings because this was my brand and this was my business. And I had my own strategic kind of way of looking at things, but also wanted the experience for myself knowing that it would benefit me in some way in the future. And so, yes, we had representation and help and all the things that artists have, but it was uh, something that myself and my bandmates too, really, we all took a lot of pride in, in controlling the business side of things. So, you know, direct, I think direct comparable experiences is, yeah, I mean, running the brand as a brand from a marketing standpoint was something that I was intimately involved in. And now at GoDog, I am the, the president and CMO. So it still is my passion and my job to maintain the, the integrity of the brand and to, to build it, to expand it. And frankly, from what Level 5 has told us, it's, it's one of the main things that attracted them to GoDog was the brand. I mean, the GoDog logo to me, I wanted it not to be like this clip arty mom and pop type operation. I wanted it to look like the LA Dodgers. I wanted it to be classic to where people could wear our, our stuff like and, and feel like it's cool. I, I mean, this is a, something I'm a member of, or this is like a, a club where I take my dog and, and I'll wear the hat, sure. So yeah, the, the brand aspect, obviously the strategic aspect of thoughtful planning. But I think if I had to say anything, it's just the entrepreneurial spirit and the, the risk comfort, because there's no guarantees with any startup. And to start something is, is scary, intimidating. GoDog was a lot more capital intensive. So there's a lot more on the line, if you will. But living that life my, my whole life, like I never had a guaranteed paycheck. I had to go out and get it every day. I never had any like, you know, direct fallback plan. Like I was invested in what I was doing and I was going to make sure that it was going to work. And, you know, with my music career, I liken it to making it to the NBA, but being just a really solid sixth man for 10 years. <laughs> it's like no one's going to remember my name, but I made it to, to the big leagues and sustained it. And I'm really, really proud of that. And then so I think taking that confidence and experience and starting a new entrepreneurial endeavor directly after it. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. It's, it's, it's comfortable living with that risk and just an undoubting belief in yourself and your, and your idea, really. Like I, I just knew and just knew that this was a good idea. And if we invest enough money and really do it right, we will win. And so that's the belief that we continue to sustain and just the way I've always lived my life. And, I, and I've got that from him because that's the way he's always done it too. It's a fascinating journey you've been on. And I can see the parallels, right? Even kind of taking, uh, like drawing on my own experience where obviously very different than uh, being a touring musician, but just as a content creator, I know what you mean by like, there's the subjectivity of what you put out there and you're not sure what's gonna stick, what will, what won't. And um, yeah, I can understand how at least 
building a, it is business at the end of the day, what you were doing with Savoy. So yeah, that's a great primer for what you're doing now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, when I was younger, I'll be honest, I never felt intimidated, but I felt awkward uh, when I would meet kind of influential folks or, or maybe someone that was having a lot of success in a traditional business sense or, you know, a lot of contemporaries in New York. You never know who you're going to sit next to at a restaurant or a bar, strike up a conversation. And I felt, you know, at first it was like, well, you know, I'd say I was in a band and then people would kind of be like, oh, OK, good luck, buddy. <laughs> um, and maybe look at me differently, but then, but then I'd have to kind of rationally like justify. I'm like, look, no, you don't understand. Like, first of all, it's not just a band. People pay me for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's like, this is a serious business. I've got a lot of employees that I pay. Like, this is not just a band. So I was like, well, let's just frame it up a little differently. And, you know, but that was just a personal thing. So how did you frame it? Well, I, I mean, as I matured, I just went through back and forth. I mean, it'd be like, well, I'm in the music industry. And that would kind of spark. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. So you're in the music industry. And well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I, I've got this. I started an ad agency. We just put a, a song in the, uh, the for a GoPro in the Super Bowl for one of their commercials. And they're like, oh, wow, how'd you do that? And I was like, well, actually, it's just my band. And we've been on tour. And so it kind of goes and like, yeah, they chose Savoy's song to be in the Super Bowl. And, yeah, you know, it just it was a different way of just framing the conversation to lend it to be like, just a little more approachable for someone that was not typically engaged in just speaking to artists, if you will. I don't know. But then now I'm older again and I'm past it. And people ask me what I did before. And I'm just like, ah, I was in a band. <laughs> it's all <laughs> back to square one. And we can talk about it if you want. Comes full circle. Yeah. So it's just, it's a personal journey of just kind of describing it. But, you know, I always felt that it was more than that and felt the need to kind of make sure that people knew that, it, no, I wasn't just some guy in a band in Brooklyn playing bars. No, this is something that was very thoughtful and successful. So definitely. I love that. So I guess uh, moving into the go dog portion of the journey, right? I know you spoke earlier about how, you know, great cash flow returns on a business like this, but even just like for the initial motivation to start it, you know, was there like a, like, did you look at other daycare centers for dogs and think like, like they're not doing it right? Like, did you have an issue with your own dog? You know, was there some initial just moment where you thought, you, you know, like there's opportunity in the market here? Well, sure. Yeah. It actually started really with the, the idea of this go dog social, the, this dog park and bar. It was an idea that, that Jess and I had toyed along, toyed around with for a long time just thinking, hey, this is just a really fun idea. I mean, we think that the best icebreaker in the world is, is a dog. It's the easiest way to talk to someone, a stranger, a friend, potential, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, who knows what it could lead to. And you throw a couple of delicious cold beverages in the mix and who knows what might happen. And so while we're toying around with this idea, I start to see these concepts actually pop up and in a few little spots across the country. And I'm like, wow, this is validating. So that was the initial thrust to say, hey, I'll, I'll move back to Durham and start with that. And we'll, uh, we've got a facility here in Durham, so let's just add it and make it complementary to that facility and start this notion of providing not just this service that everyone needs, but this amenity of actually creating kind of a social community around it, pets and their owners. So that was the first thing. We were toying around with all these different ideas. First, we we're going to call it Dogwood Social. It's a state tree, just kind of cute dogs. On. But the name Go Dog became something that became more and more attractive to us. And during that time, we were working on forming the brand. And with our 
uh, investment partner in Tennessee, a, a beautiful piece of real estate came up in Nashville that we just had to jump on. And so really it was just thrown into development of this facility. We just loved the location and it was predicated on a lot that we've learned in Durham about driving volume and daycare, convenience. And what we didn't see in the market was A, we thought that the branding was somewhat fragmented. We didn't think that there was a strong player that spoke to the younger demographic from which we're trying to approach. Younger demographic to, to include the folks that would come and hang out at a GoDog Social. But what we saw is that location specifically for us drives a really high volume of daycare. The boarding business is going to be solid. It is a bit seasonal. But if you can really drive daycare, the unit economics get just optimized in a way that we really identified over the last five years in Durham. So what we hadn't seen is a prominent investment in a high value real estate areas, just really just taking a, I guess, a calculated risk to say, yeah, this is going to be a lot more expensive, but it's going to pay off because we think that the habitual convenience of daycare is a huge value to our clients. If they're able to quickly get in, quickly get out, it's on their way. You know, those are typically high value real estate targets. And to be able to go and build something that's, you know, a high end campus in those high value real estate areas was really the strategy that we latched onto. And so that's what we did. And I guess that would be the crux of kind of our analysis of what could be done across the country with the right kind of investment attitude towards building these. That's fascinating. So it sounds like GoDog Social was kind of the initial, what you saw as the initial opportunity. And so are you kind of like penetrating the market by picking these top tier uh, locations real estate wise? So you can have daycare, which is, I don't want to say commodity service, but you know, it, it's not super easy to differentiate there. But so are you using that, like the location plus the daycare as kind of the way to bring customers in? And then you kind of have this go dog social plan on the background that's going to really embed customers with your brand? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair way to characterize it, right? I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel or, or coming up with a new business out of doing daycare. But what we do is make it hyper convenient and a really beautiful high-end environment. So it's just trying to do it as well as we can. So that means just thoughtful indoor-outdoor areas, different kind of bifurcation for the way that the dogs behave, amenities like saltwater filtered pools. And I mean, it's luxurious daycare for sure, but it's built in a facility where you walk in and you'd feel comfortable letting your dog board there because it's spacious. It's really clean. It's beautiful. It always smells fantastic. Our employees have the best tools in the industry to keep it clean. And then, yeah, I, exactly. The force multipliers, this social idea, because it's just really fun. And it's fun to meet other pet parents and to let your dog run around off leash. I mean, most cities in the country other than Boulder, really, you can't let your dog off leash. And so, and we have theories about the way that dogs behave off leash versus on leash. And there's a lot, a lot of value for everyone included there. But really it is about just leveling up the investment, real estate driven decisions. And that's what we're not afraid to do because we believe in ourselves that it'll work out. And now with the, uh, the raise, the investment from level five capital partners, the real estate team is unbelievable. They're so 
uh, smart about the way they go about evaluating real estate and, and they're professionals at it because they do it over and over with their other brands. And it was a huge attractor to us when we started talking to them. They're just so hyper advanced in the way that they look at the country from a real estate perspective. Yeah. And I definitely want to dive into that level five capital investment. But first, I'm curious. So with GoDog Social, is there any kind of value add for customers where if they're maybe a daycare customer that they get a discount or something to the social club? Or like, you know, how does that work? Is there any synergies there? Um, is it a membership model, you know? Yeah, great question. And yes, there will be synergies. And that's another kind of core belief of ours is, is creating multiple business or service lines all at the same location. So there's a lot of inner inner department referrals that we can create there to to not only just create business, but really create value for the customer too, because, you know, they can talk and we're right there. And so if whatever they need, we can sh put them in the right direction and someone else can help them with, with whatever they may they need for their pet. But yeah, the way that we see the membership model working is it'll probably be a tiered approach. So there'll be different levels of membership that you can purchase. And if you're a member of social, you get access to the park. But I can see in the future, frankly, we get so busy that sometimes capacity at daycare and certainly at boarding becomes a real issue. You just can't get in because we have our metrics of how many pets will allow that we can still create the environment that we want to for those dogs. And it's just really popular. People really, really like us a lot. So once they start coming, it becomes a normal part of the routine. And we've seen it in Nashville after we've opened up. I mean, we get full quickly and we have really loyal clients, which we're so grateful for. But I could see a, a VIP type or an elevated membership model to where you could be a member of social plus perks of the other services. So you might have a guaranteed spot in daycare a couple days a week, or we could guarantee your schedule, or perhaps we save your boarding reservations two or three weeks outside of every major holiday. So you don't have to worry about not getting in, which if you've ever owned a dog or anyone that's ever owned a dog will know, you know, you, you might forget that you're going somewhere for the holidays and you try to go and get your dog looked after. And it's like, oh no, sorry, sir, we've been sold out for months. And so you end up driving forever to some place to get your dog boarded when you could have just been right around the corner. So there could be perks like that that are included in your membership and beyond. I mean, programming special events for the parties and all the stuff we'll be doing, fun nights at social, beer specials, you name it. I mean, I think the perks are endless and that part gets really fun when you start thinking about the programming for social and throwing these types of events. Yeah, I love it. I think it's... You know, you're almost bringing pretty much all the services and like, yeah, just all, all the services that, that you could imagine under one roof. So there, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there. And so, I mean, today you have three locations open, correct? Or three, at least three corporate locations are open? Corporate, yeah. So they would be the affiliated direct businesses that, that I own with my partners outside of Level 5 Capital. And then a fourth is in downtown Raleigh called West Street Dog. And that's right off kind of one of the main areas in Raleigh. And it's boarding daycare, but also social there. And it's really cool. And we have got a killer bar menu, spiked milkshakes and all sorts of fun things that people love. <laughs> so West Street Dog is also in the portfolio as well. Okay, cool. So walk me through, you know, how did you guys find level five? You know, how did that relationship start? And for those who don't know, Level 5 Capital, private equity firm in the franchise world, 
They've invested in multi-unit franchisees and, you know, they own as a franchisee over 100 Orange Theories. And then on top of that, they make equity investments in franchisors, such as uh, Restore Hyper Wellness, Big Blue Swim School, and a few others. But GoDog is one of their most recent investments. So uh, yeah, yeah. How did that all get started, Ben? Yeah, good question. Um, They approached us about a year ago, I'd say. And one of the principals there, Danny, he just happens to be friends with my brother-in-law and sister. And they all lived in Chicago, kind of near each other. And Danny works there at level five. And I think my sister had just posted something on Instagram of rendering of a go-dog or something like that. She said, hey, so proud of my brother, Ben. He's opening a go-dog. And Danny saw it and uh, and contacted Blair or Nick, my sister or brother-in-law. And he said, hey, I, have, I really want to talk to your brother about this. And that's really how it started. And so we met with Danny, Jess and I did, Jess being my father. And uh, funny enough, Jess had actually played golf with Danny in the past, uh, just randomly somewhere in Chicago. And so they actually already had met somehow and really just never gave it a lot of credence. But they showed a lot of interest. They knew a lot about the space. We had a lot of discussions. I think at some point there was an NDA and we, we shared some financials with them. And then it was like, hey, like next week, we got to meet you guys in Nashville. We want to see this facility in person. And so we did. And again, I just, I never, it just felt like, how is this happening? <laughs> like, I, you know, I wanted to believe in it, but I didn't want to commit to the idea too much because it was just such a big notion uh, of a transaction. And then over the course of, of I, I'd call it eight months, we got into negotiations and met with Chris, the CEO there, many times. And every point in which we, we discussed and negotiated, I guess, was just really productive and pleasant and just felt very, very, I guess, natural in the partnership. They have a, just a tremendous amount of respect for Chris and Danny and, and Dwayne and the folks there at Level 5. They're all just unbelievably fantastic people. And, you know, I was now anxious. I really want to learn from these people. I, they're, they're very smart at what they do, and I'm honored to be working with them. So, yeah, it took about probably eight months during the negotiation of which it was just a very cordial, productive. We were hitting the ground running way before we closed the deal. I mean, we were all confident, hey, this is going to happen. We just had to button down the nuts and bolts. And that's kind of the long and short of it. And so we closed in September and we've been off to the races, propping up the franchisor and getting things ready for a big splash in 2023. Amazing. Yeah. And a, a little more background too, just for the audience on level five. They're unique in that they not only will invest in franchisors like they did with you, with GoDog, but they'll also build out a bunch of locations for their brands as franchisees, and they become what's called an anchor franchisee. So I'm sure, right, they're probably building 20, 30, 40, 50 plus locations of GoDog around the country or they've committed to. But yeah, I guess I'd be curious to hear, you know, there's definitely some franchise founders and CEOs who, are, who listen to this podcast. And then on top of that, I think other folks in the audience who maybe have ambitions to start their own franchise. Can you walk me through your mindset and your like your decision-making process on this transaction? Because, and feel free to share as much or as little as you want on this, but you know, the press release, right, said about uh, level five invested around 20 million into GoDog. So uh, I'm imagining, right, you must have given up some level of control in your company. So yeah, what was kind of just the thought process this early on? And probably, I'm going to guess maybe like they may have introduced you even to the 
idea of, hey, like this is a franchisable concept. So yeah, like what was just the levels of like, oh, do I want to franchise? Yes, I do. I want to now franchise with level five and I won't own as much. Uh, yeah. Can you walk me through that from like your founder and CEO? Sure. Yeah. Obviously a lot went into it and you're right. Level five did present this entire kind of strategy and idea. It was not something that we were actively seeking. GoDog, uh, prior to L5, our stated mission was really to have five or 10 of these things with great real estate acquisitions uh, to anchor each one. And that was really the strategy. And I thought that if, if I were to build 10 and own them, I'd set up a, a fantastic life for myself and my family. But of course, you know, level five comes along and they've got all this experience and all this success and just a really, to us, just ingenious way of thinking about it being that, yes, they are an anchored franchisee as well. And you're right, they did commit to a significant franchisee platform to open at least 25, 30 of these go dogs themselves, which was a completely novel concept. I mean, had they just been a private equity firm and said, hey, here's the money, you go build out in the team and go do it. Uh, we would have not done that. Again, I could have built just built my five or 10 and, and been a happy guy. But their unbelievable acceleration services division headed by Christina there is just so impressive with every department led by absolute just killers at what they do. And so to meet all those folks and to understand that, hey, not only are we going to support you, we have the roadmap. We've obviously got the capital. We have a strong passion and belief for your brand. I mean, they're all major dog lovers, but we've got the resources to prop this thing up the right way. And I think that's what attracted to them, uh, to us again, which is we're nimble, we're small. We, we can build the foundation together correctly from the start. We don't have to hopefully make any mistakes up front that we have to then go and correct as part of a larger system later on. We can really build this thing solidly from the ground up and position ourselves to, to grow and scale quickly, which is our goal. And then the added bonus of essentially committing to building 25 of these gives me and my operations team the confidence to know that we can really dial this in-house and really, really perfect our model and squeeze every bit of value and create new value out of each unit. And that's what's really going to make this system beautiful, which is not only are we building units quickly, each one, the value is better. It's a better return. It's a more efficient construction, whatever it might be, because we've got such so many smart eyes refining every inch of our unit that it was just an unbelievably interesting and impressive notion and model to us. And they're essentially ensuring their own investment by doing it themselves. And so I, it's just like, I, you know, if we do, if they do, if we do what we've set out to do, just before we even sell a franchise to an external third party, we still win. And so that felt really exciting and something that we wanted to be a part of. And so at that point in time, it's like, hey, yeah, five or 10, I can still go do that. And will I'll be buying franchises myself. But there's also a much bigger picture to look at now. And that's obviously extremely exciting. Definitely. Yeah, I had to ask the question, but I did obviously know it's a no brainer, especially at just the point that they started working with you in that, right? If I'm a franchisee looking at this, I mean, it's all very positive signals. It's level five, did due diligence on this new brand, and they felt like they were worthy of an investment. Now, 
GoDog has capital and resources behind them, which is not always the case with an emerging franchise, right? Uh, in fact, it's often not the case. And that's not a knock on emerging franchises. It's just most are bootstrapped. And there's some downsides to bootstraps, to bootstrapping businesses, right? Like uh, you just, you don't have the same resources as a private equity backed one would have. And then on top of that, as you mentioned, right, like they're building out 25 stores. So if I'm a franchisee, I mean, yeah, like I'm confident that model is going to be refined and honed in on. And by the time the 25th one is built by level five, I imagine that GoDog's just going to be dialed in with their playbook and how to build, how to get customers in the door and how to retain those customers. So uh, yeah, it's it's a huge stamp of approval on a brand. So I mean, congratulations. <laughs> like it's, it's awesome. You know, and it's closed. You said that deal closed in September. So I mean, we're recording this near the end of November. You know, the acceleration service has started. Like, are you guys selling franchises? Um, yeah. Do you want to just kind of get us up to speed on on where the brand is at today since that transaction? Sure. We, we're massively engaged with the acceleration services and were before the deal closed, which, you know, me being, I haven't done any other private equity deals before. I was, of course, a little not nervous, but just pins and needles like, hey, I really want this thing to close. And Dwayne, our, the main principal that shepherded us through this thing, he's like, Ben, do you understand how much time and money and resources we're already spending on acceleration services? Like, this is a done deal, man. Like, we are <laughs> off to the races here. So we're already deep with uh, legal compliance, looking to finish up the franchise disclosure document by the end of the year. We'll be ready to launch the franchise or platform for selling franchise opportunities. Q1 2023 is the goal. We've just been in depth with not only real estate services looking for, well, we've identified a handful of corporate locations that we're ready to pull the trigger on hopefully here soon anyway. And so there's expansion happening. There's new locations being identified and deals being made to, to put GoDogs in those locations. There's also been a ton of work on the brand. There's been a ton of work, just internal resources for franchisees, for ourselves, just to expand the brand. Um, there's a lot of internal developments with our tech stack. We are actively on a CEO hunt. So I'm the president and CMO, but we will be hiring a CEO, hopefully a person with some relevant hyper kind of growth experience in the past, not necessarily franchising or even pet specific. Of course, you know, helps to be a dog lover, but we are looking for that person and, and deep in that search. And then, yeah, just getting all of our, our ducks in a row to actually launch this franchise or I didn't really realize, but there's a ton of actual, you know, I guess everyone here probably knows, but there's a lot of compliance that goes along with that. And then just building out the teams, our operations teams and our manuals and refining all the, I mean, the amount of time I've spent with the construction crew folks at level five, really evaluating every inch of each one of our existing locations and looking at them in a, with a, you know, a microscope understanding, okay, where do we get the value? What is this for? How do we standardize these types of things and building and renovation? So there's a massive transfer of knowledge from GoDog to the GoDog franchising based on everything we've ever learned and, and what makes us so successful in the past and how we can recreate that and kind of really standardize it for the future. So that's the work that we're doing in short right now. And it's a lot of fun. And there's a ton of people on the team, a ton of touch points. And yeah, it's just a massive transfer of, of knowledge and then boxing that up into a way that we can really kind of make it a standard thing. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the best franchises, I think, really can just transfer the knowledge quickest and in like the most seamless fashion for their franchisees. So love the way you framed it. 
And uh, yeah, you heard it, folks. Uh, Q1 2023, it'll be off to the races for Go Dog. Yeah, Ben, look, this has been a, a fun conversation. You know, I'm excited to watch the brand grow and, and see, uh, you know, that relationship with Level 5 evolve. In the meantime, is there anywhere uh, online where folks can follow uh, your journey, Go Dog's journey, whether it's social media accounts or, or just a, a website? Sure. Yeah. And, and, Patrick, thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. And it's been fun talking to you and uh, appreciate your passion for this space. And it's fun to dive into a little bit about the old music career there. <laughs> Definitely. But, um, yeah, I- I'm not really on social media. I'm kind of a private person in that regard. But um, yeah, godoghq.com is our website. There is a portal on there for franchising where you can put in your information and we'll add you to our database of interested parties or just reach out, uh, you know, to, to us at that point. There's tons of different contact forms there. But yeah, godoghq.com. If you want to see lots of cute dog pictures, you can follow one of our facilities on Instagram at, you know, Godog West Nashville or Godog Chattanooga, Godog Durham. Also our business in Raleigh, West Street Dogs on Instagram. Um, that's a fun one to follow as well. So yeah, you know, you can find us and I'm sure you'll be seeing our uh, digital presence growing and evolving as we add new features to the website to kind of make it more of a national type franchising home. But yeah, that's where you can find us. And of course, Level 5 Capital's got some information on us probably coming to their website soon as well. Beautiful. Yeah, look, we'll plug the website and some of those Instagram handles in the show notes. So yeah, folks, if you're in the market for a dog franchise, I would keep your eyes on Go Dog. Ben, thanks again for coming on. We'll talk soon. All right, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.